we can say something good about ourselves that will drive us. How do we describe our personality? Hello, everybody. This is the Analog Park podcast episode number four with Jerzy Rajkow Krzywicki here. And it's the first episode with a guest. Today, I will talk with Greg Albrecht, who is an executive advisor, executive strategic advisor, a coach, an investor and co-founder at Albrecht and Partners. Hello, Greg. Hi, Jerzy. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, everyone. And we're going to talk today about, uh, on one side, about coaching uh, and how you can use coaching to, to improve uh, your business capabilities and how you run your business. And on the other side, about all the things that are analog and that are not technical related. Uh, Greg uh, is someone who has uh, an interesting experience uh, because he was a marketing manager at Asus, uh, and the producer of, of computers, and then was an e-commerce business owner. Am I right? That's correct, yes. And, and also an, uh, an uh, marketing agency owner for a couple of years. Also, and uh, and finally, he has sold everything uh, and co-founded Albrecht and Partners, uh, and he's also a coach and an advisor today. So, please, could you could you tell me uh, how uh, how was this path for you? Is, was it always uh, something you have planned uh, from the beginning to to become a coach and an advisor, or? Is, <laughs> no, not at all. Not, not at all. That's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say that most of the, most of the things that happened, uh, probably happened accidentally. And, uh, then when you look back, as uh, Steve Jobs once said, you can connect the dots, uh, looking backwards. And I, I would say that it was also the case with me. I started accidentally as a sales manager in an IT company and then moved to marketing. And I think the only things that, that were, uh, that were, um, motivating me back then is, was just to learn very quickly and, and work hard. And I think, um, accidentally I be, just became pretty good at marketing. So, so after I, I got a little bit tired of having a boss, I launched my own advertising agency. And, um, along the way I learned more about uh, the business and more about certain um, aspects of it, which uh, brought me to a place where I got a little bit bored and I started experimenting with other projects like the e-commerce platform, even a coffee place. So there was a couple of them. And in the end, because of a, because of a certain turmoil related to, to my exit from the agency, I cleared it all and, uh, I started anew. And, uh, you know, when I was, um, and I think that the thing that helped me go through this process, uh, of, uh, turning from an agency owner to a coach and, and uh, from being a manager to actually supporting managers and, and founders was also a process of coaching that I, that I went through myself. And I guess uh, that, was, that was the moment when I really realized for the very first time, what is driving me? Why am I doing it? And, and what is the thing that I really want to do? And, uh, and this is where I have been for the last uh, seven years. And I would say the last seven years were the most satisfying to me as I really feel that I have been doing what I really want to do. Can you, can you please tell me 
what was the moment in which you felt that you uh, needed to to find a coach uh, in order to, to to develop yourself and uh, and to move forward absolutely i would say that my general interest in um in psychology because i would say that everything is rooted in psychology and the awareness that that generally our way of uh, thinking creates the way of doing so uh, so it all started with my with certain per, certain personal challenges that i faced so so actually the first uh, first process that i went through was more related to finding a psychotherapist not a coach okay. and and so i first went through a psychotherapy and that was more or less 10 or probably 12 years ago and i was motivated by certain things that didn't go well for me to really be aware of how these kind of tools uh, of of conversation and um, exploration of your Uh, mind, <laughs> how they can really uh, drive change. So based on this experience, when I got to a place when I have been running um, um, a company, but I I was really not satisfied um, back then. And I felt that I felt as if I were not part of the right path. I would say it was just the discomfort that I feel, okay, making money, I'm I'm doing something for my clients, but I don't feel that it really drives satisfaction. And I'm trying to do other things all the, all the time. So I ended up being involved in a couple of uh, projects, which of course created higher pressure, uh, more, more work, but in fact, didn't create any satisfaction. And I started searching for a solution and that's how I ended up meeting the coach uh, that I, that I worked with. And, um, And I think it was uh, it was a really helpful journey. That I think my biggest uh, takeaway uh, from my personal coaching uh, process was to understand how uh, that I'm actually able of uh, of creating reality um, based on my own experience. That I have certain capabilities of really recreating something anew. And uh, that all the things that I have achieved have not, uh, uh, they, they didn't have, they haven't happened by, by, by accident, but actually that all was uh, related to certain skills, abilities, and it brought more and more um, uh, self-confidence that led me to, to this difficult decision of basically starting everything from scratch. And what is the difference uh, from your perspective between uh, psychotherapy because you talk openly uh, about uh, about uh, going to therapy and uh, and you don't uh, feel that it is something uh, that is shameful or, uh, or or not suited to be to be spoken about publicly so what is the difference between uh, therapy uh, psychotherapy and uh, and coaching with a with a coach Mm -hmm. I would say the difference is that uh, psychotherapy digs much more in the past and, and generally also is, uh, is generally uh, digging in uh, child, childhood experiences and is yeah. actually really searching for certain reasons that are very, very deep in our upbringing. So it's a different journey and I think it's, it's more about finding the understanding of the past while uh, coaching business coaching uh, especially is about finding 
solutions to current challenges. So it's more about uh, designing the future, not trying to redesign and understand the past. And I would say that's, that's the difference. So, but these two tools, I mean, tools used in psychotherapy and coaching in a certain way are very similar. So also as a coach, uh, I think it's important to have a high level of awareness, not to dig in certain areas and not to play a psychotherapist while you're not, uh, you know, certified to do this. And of course, every coach has an experience of a client who, who made a mistake and thought uh, coaching is psychotherapy. And then, you know, you find certain, certain topics you don't want to talk about, or you cannot, you're not uh, qualified to talk about. And then what you do, you just let the, your client, um, find help uh, in psychotherapy if he or she wants to, right? What is the cause that more and more people today need uh, therapy or coaching? Ah, that's an interesting question. I don't know if this uh, that there is a certain cause that more people need it. I would say uh, the general awareness of these tools made it more available and that's why people use it. So it's, it's more or less the same, uh, the same as if we asked why do more people need airplanes today than they needed <laughs> in the past? It's because there were no airplanes before and it was okay. not just a tool you could use. I think our parents, especially in, uh, if, if we're talking about less developed countries, so they didn't have the certain understanding and, uh, and the awareness of, uh, of these tools, which, uh, which, uh, which caused them not to use them. So we were probably somehow hidden in, um, in, in, in areas that we, we were just programmed in a certain way and we didn't explore. And then the other side of it, and then this could be also a factor, is how the reality around us uh, has been changing um, and, and everything that is, that is happening around us. I mean, um, the speed of life, the number of things that we do, uh, the certain pressure created by uh, the surrounding, you know, Instagram and everything that everybody wants to achieve more. So, so definitely this, uh, this leads to certain challenges with self-acceptance and self-awareness. But I believe this feeds mostly the ground for um, actually even... Uh, more advanced uh, tools like uh, psychiatry so it's uh, it's even more than than just uh, exploration or or coaching so but but definitely peer pressure and um, and the, the fact that we want to improve and we are pressurized to improve and also we we expect a lot from ourselves i think more than we can do these are the main reasons that people realize at a certain moment they're just too tired they don't understand what caused them to you know fight so hard for 20 years <laughs> i have uh, many clients uh, who who have been super successful for many years and I, and they realize on, on, on the day, okay, I'm 50 now, I'm a CEO of a huge company. What, what have I done with my life? Like, why, why am I even doing this? And then if you have this kind of realization, like, why have you been working 15 hours a day for the last 20 years? 
then you start thinking, okay, how do I redesign my uh, way of working so I can, you know, make the most out of the time that I have left and uh, maybe enjoy it more and do it on my own terms. And I would say that's a beautiful tool that can help people change from, <laughs> from um, an, I would say, robotic, automatic mode. What are your favorite strategies you then uh, you then communicate to, to your clients with such a, a problem what is the first step you would you would consider uh, uh, them making in order to Mm-hmm. to rearrange their lives uh, another way the, the thing that i do mostly is just i just I, it's a very simple job i just ask questions so so <laughs> so the so the work is on the side of my client mostly and this is not something that i just you know give them answers Uh, not because I not it's for two reasons. One is that I don't know the answers that are right for them because it's their life, not mine. Even though I may have some kind of uh, assumptions that maybe certain solutions are similar for many other people. They work for other people, so they could work for them. But this is very risky because we shouldn't generalize in, if we're talking about individual people. Mm-hmm. Now, the second thing is that uh, I believe that the process of introspection and uh, searching for a solution is actually the key to finding the solution. So whenever you have a motivation and a desire and focus on on changing yourself, whenever you start using your energy in this direction, there will be a solution found. But the questions I would ask is really very, very simple. Like, why are you doing what you are doing? Uh, What brings you joy? Uh, What is the thing that, um, what is the thing that uh, you would like to avoid? If you had no uh, limits, what would you, what would your perfect day look like? Um, And, um, and, That sort of questions that create, um, that, that give the ability to explore the opportunities. And this is for a situation where somebody really says, I have no idea what to do. But often, uh, many coaching clients, they, uh, they have a ch- certain challenge they believe to be true. For example, I don't... Um, feel appreciated at work. So usually there are more uh, more clear goals for them. And if this goal is more clear, then we just dig into certain um, certain examples. So generally, what is a good tactic for coaching and for everybody, so I hope everyone who listens to it can, can do it for themselves, is to explore certain situations. Um, so if we think like, I feel tired or I feel angry, The question is, what is the specific context we're talking about? Tell me a certain story. Because if you start generalizing, that's a really big threat. So if you say, I'm a happy, per- I'm a sad person, that's a very bad thing if you say this. If you say, I feel sad, it's maybe better. But if you think, I'm sad when I hear that my dog has, di- has died, Uh, well, that's um, that's a very clear indicator of why you're sad, and then you can do something about it. And if you put it on a too abstract level, then problems become very difficult to to solve. When when you generalize a problem, it becomes overwhelming because it's very hard to really solve it because it's a general problem. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So so tr- so try to make it very specific, and that will help you solve it. And do you think that every time you try to describe yourself by uh, some kind of an adjective, like, uh, for example, I'm a sad person or I am 
I am not able to uh, to speak, for example, to, to large audiences or something like that. It's is it always a bad thing to to try to uh, to describe ourselves or or not? Well, I, I think it's uh, we need to be aware what it creates for us because we can say something good about ourselves that will drive us so if i say i'm a successful person maybe there is something that will it will there is something positive it will bring to me mm-hmm. but the point is to be really aware of how we ex- how do we describe our personality because by using these general terms we definitely we really work on the very highest level of the level of our personality which is the really the, the actually the deepest level deep mm-hmm. inside so we really identify like i'm a man i'm a woman on the same level i can say i'm a sad person i'm a happy person or i'm a lucky person and i'm an unlucky person so these words just have a very 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 deep um, influence on all the decision we make because we make the decisions based on these fundamentals that we believe uh, we believe in that what we believe about ourselves so i would say generally it will not serve probably an average person to say that i'm uh, unlucky it can give you only one thing if you say i'm unlucky it will give you an excuse Yeah. not to work because you say oh i'm an unlucky person you know and that's why i you rationalize some of your failures and sometimes it's a thing people do in order not to redesign the way they work so so then then maybe it serves a purpose every adjectives or every thought serves a certain purpose but it's good to be aware whether it really serves you as a driver forward or it serves you as an explanation not to change Uh, do you uh, do you oftentimes uh, struggle with some kind of uh, of limits of your clients uh, while coaching them when you they come to you by um, with a problem saying that they need your help as a coach in order to progress in business or in life and then you see that some kind of beliefs or or some kinds of ad- adjectives they they use to describe themselves hold them back and really they prefer to not make the change even though they made the first step to by coming to you i I think it's pretty common but you can pretty quickly address it and then see how they react so there is a there is a strategy or a tool called koan in in coaching which basically you combine two things that are that your client says two things which basically contradict one another so first they say i want to change but then they say i don't know i i don't want to change and then you say <laughs> in this moment and then you use it as a one one sentence so you show them things that are contradictory and then it can give them certain opening so i use this tool pretty often change is not very easy it depends maybe difficult it requires effort and also there everything comes at a cost so whenever you want to change certain things can be lost certain things can be gained so then uh, if there is a thing they say they want to change but there is something they don't want to lose by changing so for example very common thing i would say like a super typical pattern ceo from a big company comes to me and says he want to start a business and then you have of course the the magic vision of starting a business but then you have the the reality of paying your debts and or whatever having a regular salary so that's a very simple thing and then you know and then there is the question what is more important to you do you want to have the stability or do you want to have the excitement and the opportunity and you need to balance between 
opportunity and uh, and stability and it's always about this making decisions between the risk and the security and i think um, this drives people into decisions and even if they don't change that's good for them because they went through the process and they realize yeah i had this magic dream of becoming an entrepreneur but i'm mentally not ready for it and actually i really appreciate my corporate job i don't want to change and that's good because in the end they don't have the doubts they realize that was just a vision that was just a dream that was not their reality and for that reason they feel more calm because at least they solved this puzzle <laughs> yeah it's it's a very very good uh, good point of view because uh, it's it's also something that i'm i'm seeing very often that uh, that people try to idealize uh, their dreams or their plans and then uh, Without this amount of work you have described, uh, it can be really difficult to, to weigh whether you really want to do it or not. Yeah, and sometimes there are also there is a third scenario. So that's also pretty interesting. And I, I like this when um, and it brings me a lot of joy when a client has this kind of aha moment when he or she realizes, well, maybe it's not one option or another. Maybe there is a there is an option where I can actually is exactly about describing certain situations. If we do not generalize corporate or entrepreneurship, but we think, okay, what do you describe by corporate? How do you define your goals? What can you do less to, in order to have more time to experiment with your entrepreneurial journey? And suddenly you realize you can have both. The question is, you can you have to go from generalizing to reality. And then when you, when, then you make decisions on a more granular level, and then suddenly you can realize that you can basically have, um, you know, have uh, both uh, things uh, at once. However, this is rare. I don't want to, you know, mystify that, well, that's uh, possible to have everything. I don't believe you can have everything. It's always uh, everything comes at a cost. But I think it's really good in this process that you can generally understand what you really mean by what you don't like, what you want to have, and maybe there is a third option, third solution that you haven't heard or you haven't thought about, haven't uh, thought of uh, before. Yeah, uh, it, it, this reminds me of the of the story that Greg McCune has described in his Essentialism book when when mm-hmm. uh, when he um, he describes uh, an executive at a company who who goes to see his, his coach. Uh, to tell him that he's he feels overwhelmed, but uh, by by new uh, new things he has to do uh, at his job because the company was bought by another bigger company, and and the coach says, "Well, you want to quit your job? That's right." And he says, "Yeah, yeah, I want to quit. I I don't like what I'm doing right now." And he says to him, "Well, okay, quit, but don't tell anyone." So start doing what you want to be doing. Don't do what you don't want to do. And then it will create a, a third way uh, of, mm-hmm. because it, it, it will not be binary anymore. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Great book, by the way. I, I really, really like this book. One of my favorites, all time favorites. <laughs> you talk also about meditation uh, and I wanted to ask you uh, 
what uh, trying med meditation and doing meditation has given to you uh, personally and also what, what has it given to you on a, on a business level so um, meditation in general i would say is uh, is is a is a tool that i'm not an expert but i can i can definitely relate uh, to my experiences i have been meditating for a couple of years for a certain time very often uh, very regularly Currently, a little bit less. I find other ways of meditating. But still, I believe it has uh, changed uh, my life for good. So in, generally, in general, I think it, it has caused some, uh, some long-term changes into, uh, into my life, which are really, really positive. And I would list um, the benefit. My, the main benefit I see is that you create a certain distance from emotions, from challenges, from problems, because it's like a spa for a brain. So basically you somehow make a, create a, a, a pillow or a layer between your thoughts and your reactions, which, um, which help you really make better decisions because you do not make decisions impulsively, at least myself. And I can also in many cases, because it's, of course, it's not a, a you know, like a silver bullet for all the problems. So, so it's not that you suddenly become a Buddha and you're perfect, but, but definitely, <laughs> but definitely uh, it, it creates a certain layer of understanding to other people, layer of, of calmness that you can use uh, while making decisions and also I would say it it makes just it makes your decisions better and your problems smaller so so that's how I would ex explain the benefits of meditation in my own words is it how you would uh, make an advertisement of uh, of meditation to a newbie because I have I have tried meditation several times but uh, but I have uh, had uh, problems to sticking to to this practice uh, for longer periods of time, really, because of probably of the way how, how my, my mind wanders <laughs> mm -hmm. when trying to meditate. Yeah, I would say certain people um, uh, or, or almost everybody finds it difficult because it's completely the opposite direction of, uh, of what we are taught to do on a daily basis. So you know, on daily basis, brain is the, is the organ that controls us if we are not aware of that. So we think uh, a job well done is when our brain is working full speed. And also it's pretty irritating for the brain when it, when it loses control because of the, because of the, uh, you know, of the power of uh, meditation. So, so brain really doesn't want you to make him obsolete. For me also, uh, meditation was uh, difficult uh, in the beginning. And, um, but it's just about the motivation. A friend of mine told me that when he uh, meditates, he becomes really, really angry. And that also happens to a lot of people. So, so yeah, so this can also be a case. So he first started meditating, but he, he, each time he meditated, he, he, he got really, really angry and then he gave it a break. And after a while he returned to meditation and currently is his daily practice. So I believe it's just, um, 
like with everything, the the motivation that you have and how strongly you really want to to do it. Can you please tell me what is your take on on smartphones and uh, and in general on on the omnipresence of technology in our daily lives? And uh, do you think it is something positive? should be used by by humans or rather you see it as as something to be to be controlled in a, in a smart way because it it can lead to bad places mm. it's, it's a very difficult question to really categorize it as a good or bad thing i think it does a lot of good things so for example imagine covid and not having internet I think, uh, imagine COVID yeah. 30 years ago, that would be crazy, you know, imagine yeah. remote work without, without technology. So that would be really difficult. So I see there are many, many, many upsides of, of technology, but then when we look at it from the other direction, we can see the addiction, the distraction, the challenges with finding focus with uh, you know external approval by people on instagram um or whatever there is so i think as every technology it has to be used wisely and uh, i i would not use technology uh, or i would not use my smartphone uh, if i didn't find it really, really useful in certain situations. But uh, normally, the only reason I use my smartphone is because it's just a useful tool for work. So that's why I use, for example, social media. Um, that's the only reason, honestly, I'm, I can say that, but the only way I consume social media is that I actually... Uh, create content, but I don't consume myself. And so this is a very pragmatic approach, but may, I don't know if it's good or bad, but uh, I know it's useful, so I use it, but I really don't like consuming uh, anything from from the smartphone. So, so that's my personal take. And if I were to say the general, uh, general thought is, I believe... Uh, Maybe now the status of the smartphone in the society can be a little bit too high. And you can see, you know, people using smartphones as a way to calm their children and also using technology as a tool to calm their mind and to distract themselves and to lose focus. So, so that's I see a lot of downsides of it. That's my personal perception of of the technology. Do you think that the technology should be in some ways legally limited? Teenagers, for example, uh, have to to wait until they can use smartphones or have to to prove that are they are mature enough to 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 use Instagram. I think nobody is mature enough to use Instagram. <laughs> Because this is a tool that is that is built in a way that, that you know everybody can get addicted. So, so I don't know if this uh, this way this is the way to solve this problem. Uh, I think it's um, 
it's more in the nature of the tool itself. That's one thing. And uh, the question is, why would you even use Instagram if you don't market your pro your services to people? That's the only reason why I use Instagram. And regarding uh, limitations, well, there is obviously a downside because your uh, children or these kids, they cannot get, you know, um, disconnected from technology because this can limit their ability to navigate in the in the world so i believe that uh, making any restrictions general restrictions can have a negative impact because of the because of the ability of them to communicate and interact with other people so i i have a personal story of that type because as a kid i never watched tv because my parents didn't allow me to and i was always different uh, from other uh, from other kids and I think this is something that uh, maybe it didn't limit my personality in general, but I think it was kind of uh, changing my perception of reality. And watching TV is something you can live without because it's just about knowing certain characters from certain yeah. movies. But, uh, you know, living without the access to the Internet, without understanding technology today is really like making you in a certain way disabled uh, to really function in the um, in the in the in the world. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't. Um, I, I never think that uh, a ban is a solution. I believe that education is a solution. So, so the, 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 the thing is who can educate, who can take responsibility for educating people and who has uh, sufficient funds and sufficient ability to educate and the interest to educate people because obviously there has to be a certain way of, uh, of educating, but, uh, but the the, the challenge is that the interface we use today for education is actually the, the interface we want to educate people not to overuse. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a big thing. That's why, for example, I don't read books or I don't like read books on, on Kindle. I tried, but it's very difficult for me. I just read uh, physical books like this because it's always something that I can... Uh, I can, you know, touch and I, it, it doesn't create any distraction because you do just one thing at one time yeah. and this is a beautiful. So, and also technology is not the perfect solution. We can see it today, right? We try to uh, create a perfect uh, conversation. We want to do it for the listeners, for the viewers, but yet yeah. uh, still the technology is on one side, making it more available. On the other side, make it more difficult. Because if we met in a real life, in a in a room, it would be a better it would be a better conversation and a better uh, recording. So, so still, technology oh, sure. yeah. are not only upsides; they're also downsides. So, for that reason, is I think it's good to look at it from these both directions. I asked you this question because uh, in some areas of our lives it is somehow uh, easier sometimes to make a, a total ban than to try to, uh, to, to, to limit your usage of, uh, of a tool. Or as you said, nobody is, yeah. uh, is mature enough to use Instagram because it's you against an army of very well-trained psychologists and, and engineers that, that, that make this tool in such a way that it is uh, really addictive to for anyone. So. Yeah. I agree with what you said, and I think it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty interesting uh, view. 
So that um, that uh, sometimes it's easier to ban something or to limit ourselves completely than to use willpower to control certain things. For example, I don't know, multiple addictions uh, are, are an example. So somebody who has a drinking problem would say, oh, I will limit drinking. But if you already have a problem, it's the, the more effective strategy will be to stop drinking for good, not to tell that you yeah. will limit because it's easy to remove than to limit for sure but uh, but with technology is not the case because it's also it's something like a, a person who has a I don't know some some food related disorder uh, would say I will not eat anymore well that's not the possibility and I think it's the same with technology today you cannot say I will not use technology I mean you can and if you have a lot of money and you live on a deserted island and you don't care about interacting with other people, maybe that's possible. But at least in business as a tool, without technology is really difficult. However, of course, um, Carl Newport, the, uh, the author of Deep Work and, and also of uh, other books, uh, however, I think this one is the most interesting, would definitely argue that maybe you can live without technology because he, he lives most of the time without technology. He would tell you that you should become a digital minimalist and limit your smartphone usage to one hour a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's what he would say. I, by the way, I read this book, but I was a little bit disappointed with uh, with the content. I think it's um, it's pretty obvious uh, what he says in this digital minimalism. However, um, however, the uh, the problem is a difficult one to solve. So I would say it's not easy to. To really solve it for good uh, in a in a simple way. So I hope uh, I hope everyone at least realizes that uh, there is a problem and it's worth solving. And if we start thinking about uh, technology not only as an enabler or as a neutral thing, but as a as a, also a potential risk and a time-consuming uh, animal, we can we can then start uh, rethinking the way we approach it. Right. Do you have any any favorite analog rituals or analog productivity strategies? Uh, because uh, when I look at, at the world of, of, for example, productivity advice uh, for the last five or, or six years, it's clear that people are are answering to those smartphone and technology related challenges by adopting, you know, notepads, pens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I really like uh, using, uh, actually uh, using a notepad. I also use a, a notepad. I always use uh, like big, uh, big pages like this and the, and the pen. So that's something that I use all the time. And, um, and I, it's very hard for me to actually create something without using analog uh, tools for this. So it, and it can it can include the rituals like morning notes or but also even creative work. When I when I lead a, a coaching session, I always make notes like like this and uh, yeah, and it's always something that that helps me uh, create. So um, and also anal another analog device that I mentioned before is a book. <laughs> Because I really enjoy reading uh, yeah. analog books uh, because I feel it's much easier to focus and also it's uh, just a much more pleasant uh, experience. So um, 
Really, really, I have a certain technology aversion in if we're talking about uh, smartphone and if 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 there was no communication out there to be made, including podcasts and including uh, just reaching out to people in order to share certain knowledge with them through audio, for example, I would probably not use uh, smartphone at all. Uh, really, because the only reason for me to use it is just that I can sometimes reply to a message faster because sometimes it matters. And also because, uh, for example, Instagram, I cannot post on Instagram from a desktop. <laughs> so I post to Instagram from uh, from a smartphone. That's the only reason I, I use a smartphone, actually. Okay, last question. Uh, tell me if you could keep only one analog device, what would it be and why? One analog device? It, it would be a piece of paper and a pen. If can be counted yeah, as a one, one. one, a pen, because I can write on, on, on almost everything. Well, yeah. No, but it can be a, a pen because I can find a piece of paper or I can write on almost everything and then I can, you know, uh, create um, a better way of... Uh, thinking it would be definitely easier so i think a pen would be would be the choice you can write on leaf for example <laughs> exactly on leaf or or whatever you find i mean it's uh, it's good to have it but you can always use a stick and write and also on the ground but uh, the question is um, how much of a ground do you have and Yeah, so so probably this would be the device I would use um, because that's the, the the analog device I use every day. If, of course, not to count analog devices like bed, for example, because bed is also an analog device that I use every day to sleep. But uh, <laughs> good point. Thank you very uh, much, Greg, uh, for for uh, for this nice chat. Uh, and please uh, tell me where people can find you online. Mm -hmm. Sure. So now I'll tell you all about technology. <laughs> so thank you for the conversation. <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram at Greg Albrecht. You can find me on my website, gregalbrecht.io. There you have all the other links, but I'm also available on Facebook, gregalbrecht.io, gregalbrecht.io. And also on LinkedIn, you can connect with me. So these are the tools I use, LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook. And you can find me through gregalbrecht.io. And then my podcast, Greg Albrecht Podcast, which is obviously in Polish. So if you don't speak Polish, don't look for it. But if you do, uh, you can use any tool like um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever you use. And you will find my and YouTube and you can find my podcast there. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out at any time. And uh, I'm there. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you, Jerzy. Thank you for the conversation and uh, thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.